0: Hey guys, it's Allie, welcome back to Infertile AF the podcast. This is episode 78 called Victoria. Okay, before we get started, I just wanted to remind everybody in case you are going through this journey and you are looking for support, head on over to Fertility Rally. This is the business I started with Blair from Fab Fertility and it is so awesome, guys. It is a community. It's got content. We have curated events. We have a Wednesday night support group that has become my favorite thing of the week. Special guests always and special themes. We have over 200 members now and we would love for you to join us. So head on over to fertilityrally.com. Check out membership options. There's a bunch of different ones. And let me know if you have any questions. We would love to rally with you okay so today i'm so excited that i'm talking to victoria nino who you might know on instagram as expecting anything she is super open about her motherhood through infertility journey she's a donor egg mama to her adorable girl florence or baby flow flow baby as she calls her and victoria and i met when we were on a panel in the spring which seems like a million years ago now but Kind of the beginning of the lockdown, the pandemic, we are on a panel about secondary infertility for Hey Mama, and we just hit it off, and I thought she was so cool, and I loved her vibe, so I wanted her to share her full story here. So she also wrote a book recently called Why I'm Glad My Eggs Didn't Work, which I will link to on my Instagram, which is at Stories. So today we are going to get into all the shit that she has gone through including being diagnosed with stage three endometriosis, going through medicated IUIs, IVF, finding out that she needed to go with donor eggs and how that all shook out with her husband and if they were on the same page and how they finally did get to be on the same page. A spiritual experience in Thailand that I'll let her explain because she can do it better than me. And then what happened when she did find a donor and they did a transfer. So I am going to let her give you guys all the details, but I just want to thank Victoria for everything. I love this story. It's so inspiring. So without further ado, this is Victoria's infertility story. Start at beginning, did you always want to have kids?
1: No, it's funny that you asked that. I, I didn't and I feel sometimes guilty saying that now after all that I've been through. but I think in my in my 20s, early 20s I was very much like, I'm gonna be a career woman. I don't need a man, I don't need kids, you know. I was always so focused on just making something for myself that I just didn't feel like you know I think I was just too on my high horse like I don't need any of those things to feel like my true self, you know, mm-hmm. or feel purpose of, of anything in life. I think I later realized like you, you can do both, you know, um, it doesn't have to be one or the other. doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but I think for me, that pivot happened after I met my husband and we got married when I was 29 and he always wanted kids. He was like meant to be a dad from day one of his life. I feel like, and he was just born for, for being a father. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and was always very open about, like, you know, I want kids. And um, I just, you know, fell in love with him. And and his desire sort of, like, led me to to also see that vision with him, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we started trying right away. Like, I you know, I got married. I was 29. He's five years older than I am. Mm-hmm. And we just, it's funny, you know, I feel like everyone who's infertile always says, like, do you remember when you had that timeline? Totally. <laughs> like, We're going to be, like... I, I was like, we can't have sex you know unprotected sex during our honeymoon because we you know we need more time like let's plan the baby for this month to be born in this month and I mean it's just insane
0: yeah because you're like it has to be at the perfect time we can't I can't right. be pregnant for so-and so's wedding because then I can't drink right. so you know you're pl- we don't want to be on vacation at this point like there's right. all the minutia
1: right, which seems so ridiculous now that I even like thought that was possible, but we like I said, we started trying right away. And, but we also said we were trying, but not trying, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. that means. Um, and then (laughs) we, gosh, I think I was probably 31 ish when I thought, okay, something's up. Like, this is weird, you know? And we, I'd started to get more serious about tracking ovulation and that sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. maybe I want to say by the age of 32, I went in, cause I'd started to talk to my OBs about like my periods were really long and painful. And I, so many people tell me like, you know, that's just the way you're made up. Like everybody's periods different. And like, you know, this is just your life. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, so I bleed half my life. Like this doesn't seem right. Yeah. So you hadn't been pregnant at all, right? Never, 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 never. No. But I also knew my period was, was not, normal, you know, I, or at least later I realized that I, I talked to more friends and I'm like, wait, no, most people don't have their period for two weeks or, you know, you're not like bleeding a crime scene. Um, right. you're not bleeding out of your butthole. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, That's normal. <laughs> and so I finally had one OB who sort of said, okay, something's up. Like you need to go to a fertility doctor in which we then realized like after, um, a laparoscopy that I had endometriosis, But you never knew that before? Nope. Nope. So that, I think I was age 32, 33. Uh When I found that out, when this was when we were like, okay, we really want a kid. And so she, um, we did the, like I said, the procedure and and went and scraped it out. It was stage three, which is pretty bad, you know, and then later found out it sort of eaten away at all my eggs. Wow. But at the time we were still full of hope and, well, let's just try IUI, you know, let's stimulate, you know, as much, as many follicles as we can. Um, My husband's sperm was pretty, pretty decent. So we, you know, we did IUI five times Hmm. and just, you know, the, the new hope every 30 days. Um, Right. Were you doing them back to back to back? We did. yeah. Yeah. And some of them started as like trying to be IVF and then I'd only get one egg So the doctor would say, well, let's just do IUI. We don't want to waste it. Okay. So
0: you were doing like medicated IUIs? Oh, yeah. 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 All five. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And the first one, of course, I was for sure I was pregnant. And then the second one, I was like kind of hopeful, but kind of realistic. By the fourth, fifth one, I was like drinking. You know, I was like, this isn't going to (laughs) work. <laughs>
0: Isn't it funny how the bar changes so much? Yeah. Not the drinking bar, but the bar like your expectations bar, you know, like Oh yeah. You know, it gets moved here and raised there and lowered there and like it's after each one of these like procedures or things that doesn't
1: work. It's like Right. Yeah. Right. And you know, my my doctor the whole time and I love her. I mean, she I have a new doctor now, but at the time she was what I needed and she would hug me and cry with me, but she always would say like, but you're so young, you're my baby. You're like one of my babies. You're so young, you know, cause I was mm-hmm. 33, 34 at the time. And then of course, when all of this was just not working, she's like, okay, you know, let's, let's give IVF one shot. You finally got two eggs to grow, which most people would never do an IVF retrieval with only two follicles or two eggs. Mm-hmm. But that was the most I ever had, like two mm-hmm. was a big number for me, so we sort of seized the day and they you know neither of them fertilized. One of them was actually like the color black, she said because it was so bad, really, um, yeah,
0: so yeah. how did that feel like how are you doing emotionally through all this? This is a lot
1: oh rough, I mean yeah i you know, but I'm also one of those people that like I feel like I can fix anything and I can like f- i'll f- always find a way like. I've always had a really strong work ethic and owned multiple businesses and have a mm-hmm. full-time job at the same time. And I've always been a person that's like, I'm gonna persevere, I'm gonna figure this out. You know, I'd I'd cry, but then I'd like brush my shoulders off and like get back up and be like, okay, let's try this now, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think with that last, like with that final Hail Mary with the IVF, I knew going into it, like it was probably not going to work. And so I had already started researching donor eggs. I didn't even tell my husband, I was like reading blogs and reading Mm -hmm. articles and reaching out to women on Instagram. And, you know, I was like, well, this could work. This could be my, you know, this could be my way. Like I could still carry a baby, you know, I'd learned about epigenetics and how like I'd still influence the genes and have that sort of connection. And I had like already set myself up for like, this is my next step, if this doesn't work. I always needed like a a catch-all, like a, you know, like a neck, a plan B. Right. Um,
0: can we and, back up just a little bit? I'd love to hear yeah. about when you started trying to find people on the blogs and on Instagram, was there a community at this point? Because I know like things have been changing so much no. in the last year. Oh gosh, so it was hard no. to
1: find people? Yes. Like okay. I don't, I didn't know anyone that did donor eggs. I was finding a lot of women like infertility, but they were mostly through friends. Like, mm-hmm you know, um, I told one friend and she was like, oh yeah, did you know so-and-so did too? You know, and I'm like, wait, what? So I started connecting with just other women through friends of friends, like so-and-so sister-in-law or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and But none of them had been through donor eggs. So it, okay. they were able to connect with like the grief of infertility and IVF and how hard it is and the pregnancy jealousy and all of that. But I couldn't find one person that had been through donor eggs. Okay. All I had was my doctor who would tell me about her patients, you know, uh-huh. and the success and sort of the bonding. And like, she, re- she was the one only person aside from like, eventually we had to go through therapy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, she was really the only person I talked to about it.
0: Okay. So um, were you already kind of thinking like that might be the route that you were going to go down? That was my plan B. Yeah. Yeah. It was like,
1: maybe we'll just get one. All we need is one. You know, that's what they say. But I still was like, okay, but this is, this will be my next step. But, you know, in hindsight, I probably should have been having those conversations with my husband because when we had our meeting with the doctor after it all failed, that was her suggestion. And he was like, no way, we would never do that. Uh And I was like, what do you mean we would never do that? And he's like, well, no, I married you. I want to have a baby with you. Like, this is no. And I was like, yes, like, we need to consider this. Like, he's like, no, the doctor said we could do another round and we could do this and that. And I said, no, I am so done. Like, I, like I'm closing that door, you know? And he was mm-hmm. just like, well, I need, I need time to think about this. And, you know, cause I'd done my own research and someone had just told me for the first time, I probably would have said no too, you sure. know? Sure. That's a huge pivot. Like, yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So he had to sort of like grieve that too. And I think a part of me is like, well, what do you have to grieve? You still get to carry on your genetics, but it's Mm -hmm. not about that. Like it was a grief for him too, that this was like, you know, a a total shift in what the vision was that he had. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So we went through that grieving process, which, you know, I recently wrote a book about all of that because people are always sort of asking me like, how do you grieve your genetics? And it's... Real thing. You know, you have to make space for that. You have to like cry and be angry and, and let it sort of be grieved because it is a real loss. But I always tell people like you can't realistically expect to grieve it fully. Like that's just not realistic. And I also think you never really grieve anything fully, right? Like even if you lose a grandmother or a pet or whatever, like there's still going to be something that happens where you're like, oh, I miss that person or I'm, you know, you're triggered in some way. And so my theory has always been like, if you can at least half-ass it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like grieve 51% maybe of the way, then, you know, you, you've done a pretty good job, but you've got to at least dedicate some, you know, time and effort to that grieving process. Definitely. Tell me a little bit more about the book. Is it called Why I'm Glad My Eggs Didn't Work? <laughs> Yes, it is. <laughs> That's a great yeah. title. I, you know, I played around with a few titles, but I was like, you know what? This is this this is the sum of this story. It's like exactly in hindsight. Like I'm I'm so grateful that all of this happened, and you know, when I was in the thick of it, I was not grateful. Um, right. But you know, back to my like point in the beginning when I had a, this perfect plan of my life and timeline, like. I, you know, a lot of things in my life sort of came easy to me. And I was the girl that you probably would have hated on Facebook because it seemed like my life was perfect. And, Uh you know, I, when I finally came out about this, I actually had a girl from high school message me and say, I'm so glad to know your life isn't perfect. You know, oh God, right, right. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, God, was I really that girl? But I think that this sort of journey has really given me a lot of like just perspective on life and empathy and compassion and, um, totally taught me a lot of lessons I wouldn't have learned any other way. Absolutely.
0: I'd love to hear a little bit more about just the grieving process of like, when, okay, so when you decide that you are going to use donor eggs, what are, are there, is a, like a grieving process like that you go through where you're like, like typical steps or like, what are some of the thoughts that you were having in your mind that pe- somebody who's listening to this might be able to relate to?
1: So I think sure. the biggest thing is like, you have this vision of like, Your spouse or your partner's best traits and your best traits, right? Like, that's just how you think it's going to happen, right? Like, my blue eyes, his tan skin, my long legs, his good smile. Like, Mm -hmm. literally, you're like, this is going to be the baby, right? (laughs) Right, of course. And so, I think you first have to grieve that, right? It's like this imagined child that you've painted in your mind is going to be what it's going to be. And so, you have to like, sort of acknowledge the fact that that is not going to happen. However, I will say that like no one has control over DNA, right? Mm. Even when it is your own, no one has control over it. And so I think I had to like really understand that like that vision was actually not real anyway. Chances are his brown eyes would have canceled out my blue, right? Mm. Like a lot of the things that I think I, I had put in this like picture of like what the baby will be that I had to just like be sad about that for a vet, you know, cause it's mm. sad. It's like, the, there's this idea of like this mini me not being able to move, you know, forward or like things about my dad or my mom or my grandmother that I wanted to pass on, you right. know, that, that sort of stops with me. And so I had to just like, just like you would grieve a grandmother or a brother yeah. or, a family mother, like you got to just let it out. You have to, you know, cry, scream, punch something like you sort of just have to allow that time. Um, you know, some people create little altars or ceremonies or plant a tree. Like there's a lot of things that you can do to sort of like honor that, that vision not happening. Mm-hmm. I had like written a letter to sort of that future baby, like letting him or her go. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think, You just have to like honor the space for that.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's so important that you point out that this is a a tangible like thing to grieve. Like I think some people don't, you know, like as women, I've said this so many times in various circumstances, but we don't give ourselves, like we do ourselves a disservice by not validating the pain that we're going through. And this is a huge one. And I think some people be like, oh, it's not a real thing to grieve. There wasn't actually a baby, but you're grieving like what could have been, you're grieving, you know, the, your hopes for the future. So I think it's definitely
1: important to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, and and I'm not going to say I'm fully ever fully grieved either. Like, Mm. you know, there's times where like maybe someone in our family or a friend will make a comment about my sister's child looking like my dad or my mom or something like that. Like, I don't, I don't get that, you know, but It's crazy because I think, like, you know, I I talk about this sometimes, but our donor actually, she looks quite a bit like me. Yes. You said that Um, in the group that we were in together. Yeah. 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 And she's actually fairer skin color. Her eyes were like crystal blue, really blonde, natural hair. Her children all were sort of toehead blonde, you know, Uh and my, my daughter is, is darker than my husband, you know? Yes. Yeah. And so a part of me is like, well, even if maybe they had been my genetics, who knows, like they, it probably wouldn't have been anything, you know, like, I think it's actually sort of been easier for me because she literally is a clone of my husband that, you know, it's just like, I don't know. I feel like my blue eyes were never going to be there or my, sure. you know, whatever.
0: Can you explain the whole epigenetics, like piece of the puzzle? Cause I don't know much about that.
1: Yes, I'm very fascinated by epigenetics and have sort of been out there ruffling feathers about this topic because um, I feel very passionately about it. So, there's this whole idea, obviously, of nurture versus nature, right? And nature comes from DNA and nurture comes from environment and, you know, just the way that we sort of raise our children, but also nurturing starts within the womb. Epigenetics is the idea of an influence. So, meaning that because I, you know, grew my child from you know an embryo to a human mm-hmm. life, I had some influence over the way her genes were expressed. So mm-hmm. what that means is, you know, she has a widow's peak, for example. I have a widow's peak. The donor did not. My husband does not and his family, the donor, you know, I've looked through, scoured through photos of her family history. It doesn't appear that anyone had a widow speak. Mm-hmm. I turned that gene on. So it's, they're kind of like light switches. And because I'm the carrier, I get to influence, you know, um, the way things are passed on. Mm-hmm. My placenta decided exactly what DNA was chosen, mm-hmm. meaning like if Flo's embryo, Florence's embryo was carried by the donor, it wouldn't be Florence, Mm. right? Because embryos, we forget that embryos aren't humans. They're not, you know, they're living organisms. They're not living people. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of work that still has to go into place. Like Mm -hmm. my body had to switch on thousands of genes at just the right time and the perfectly right cells to create her. Mm -hmm. And so three people technically made her. And I'm one of them. I'm, I'm one of the very, I'm not just like, there, there used to be this old school of thought that you're just an oven for, for baking the cookies, right? You're just the oven, right? But it's not that at all. There's very much this biological tie um, that really scientists don't know enough about yet, but there's been enough studies to prove that there's this epigenetic control that, you know, comes from nurture, So, you know, some scientists will even say that, that I am her biological mother, because in terms of biology, like I gave her all that she needed to, Uh to be created into a human. Whereas the donor is the genetic donor. No one's really like, sort of defined like these definitions and what they all are. Like, you know, I use the term gestational mother, but I think it's important that the word mother comes from a place of intention. Right. And the donor and all of these definitions and examples never had an intention to mother. Right. Right. So she's, she never gets that, that, that title. Um, Whereas in some examples, like if you use a sister or a cousin or a best friend who's going to be in their life, like you may say that, you know, she's the genetic mother, but in our scenario that, you know, she had, you know, I've actually tried to contact her. That's a whole nother podcast to see if she would be open to contact, but she wants nothing to do with us. And so, that's not a mother. Right. Um, right. and so, you know, it's just that she was the donor. She gave me an egg, a cell. Right. But I did all the work to turn that cell into a human. And, you know, I gave her my inner energy, which, you know, I think is something that people don't talk about enough, but like, you know, for 10 whole months, I nurtured her from the inside, you know? Wow. Um, that's so
0: interesting and cool. And I really don't know anything about this.
1: Yes. It's a like micro, another thing to look up is micro RNA epigenetics. Okay. If anyone's listening, those are things to search for if you're trying yeah. to find information. But I've done a lot of research. And I've also, like my my first doctor, she was a big advocate of epigenetics and had told me multiple um, scenarios of, I'll tell you one, because I think this is a real game changer when I heard the story. But this particular um, woman and man came in, had used donor eggs. The woman was Irish and had red hair, pointy nose, freckles. The husband was um, Italian. Or Hispanic, I forget, but dark skin, and their donor was blonde hair, um, blue eyes, you know, olive skin, and all three babies she ended up having three had red hair, pointy mm-hmm. nose, freckles. Wow! So tell me, <laughs> right, how that happened? But it's just, you know, I see it. I see it in my daughter all the time. Like people always say, like we have the same mouth, we have the same yeah. nose. You posted you know, that
0: picture recently of your squinty eye that you said you used to not yeah. like, like in pictures, but she has yeah. the same thing, which I thought was so beautiful and cool.
1: Yeah. We both have the same squinty eye. We yeah. have the widow's peak. Um, my daughter, uh, my, my our donor was sort of like on the shorter end of um, height where, you know, height is in my family. Like we're all very tall and mm-hmm. long legs and Florence is 95th percentile for height. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband doesn't have height on his side either. So mm-hmm. I believe that I influence that, you know? And so they're wow. just little things that I, I I call my mama magic and I'll tell her like, look, that's your mama magic, you know? Oh, I love that.
0: So is this this has got to be a little bit controversial, right?
1: It is because there's therapists out there. Like I literally had one therapist tell me like, you should not be talking to your child about this. Wow. Like, but if it's a scientific fact, absolutely. I'm going to talk to her about that. Yeah. And I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, but then doesn't it... Um, sort of diminish the like credit of a a woman using a surrogate. And I'm like, but like we all have our own connections to our children, right? We all have our own stories. And again, it comes back to intention. Like with surrogacy, the intention starts with the egg, right? Whereas in my example, the intention starts with the pregnancy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I'm a mother, the woman using surrogacy, she's also a mother and they're just very different, you know, journeys, um, you know, to get there and different influence. Mm -hmm. That is so So, interesting. Do
0: you guys remember the moment that you did both decide to do it and that you were going to go down this path, like no turning back?
1: You know what? I don't know if I remember the moment. Because there might not have
0: been a moment, right? It might've just been.
1: I think it was over time. I think I just, we kept talking about it we take little steps. Like, I'm like, well, let's just log on. Cause you have to, I mean, it's literally like match.com you go mm-hmm. on and you're surfing the web for these young women. Right. Um, and we would like pour a, a glass of wine and be like, okay, let's have fun with this, you know, sure. and like, but you also like find yourself. I remember feeling like really icky. Cause I was like, well, she, you know, her GPA was this, or I don't know about her teeth or, you know, you're, and you're like, yeah, hey, hold on a second. Like who am I to judge? You know, like I had to put myself in their shoes. Like now, if you've seen me in my early twenties and I was on here, like there's a lot of things they would have picked apart about me.
0: <laughs> it's so true and it's- though. And I'm glad you said that. Cause it's, you know, you, you do have to be judgmental cause you're judging yeah. your future child basically, or, right. you know, right. so it's a, it's a weird line that we're, I think you probably feel like you said, you feel bad about, you know, picking them apart, but it's also like, but that's what you're doing. That's what you're there for to do. So.
1: Right. And so it's hard not to get wrapped up in that, you know, um, because these profiles are intense. I mean, it's like photos at all ages, you know, like medical history, religious beliefs, blood type, favorite movie, favorite color. I mean, it's like, okay, it just gets overwhelming. Um, and what were you
0: guys using in terms of your search? Was there like one place that you went or was there a bunch or if we could break it down a little bit, I'd love that. Yeah. So,
1: so there's, there's donor agencies, which we went through a donor agency. And at the okay. time I was looking at, I think four of them, which was probably too many. Yeah. Um, I had to log into like four different ones. We ended up going with elite fertility. Okay. We actually had our first donor that we chose ended up not working out the day before her retrieval. Okay. Tell a. me about that. Yeah. (laughs) So after we had sort of, you know, come to terms with this finally, like, okay. And literally everyone in the doctor's office is celebrating, like, okay, you're going to have your baby now, like this donor exits, this is the magic wand, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We get the donor and she was anonymous. We had never met her. And, you know, our doctor's calling us, you know, giving us the updates and the play-by-play, like things are looking good. Like she's got a lot of follicles, like we should be able to retrieve in the next four or five days, the next three days, like we're talking. So the day before her retrieval, my doctor calls me and I'll never forget that moment. We were, my husband and I were sitting in the car in like the home goods parking lot. And she's like, Hey guys, I just wanted to call you about um, the egg retrieval. We're like, okay, well, we just like talked to you earlier yesterday. Mm -hmm. She's like, yeah, well, I have some good news and some bad news. And we're like, okay, well, what's the good news? And she said, well, the good news is that your donor is very much like you've Victoria, we've always said she talks like you, she looks like you, she's like her mannerisms, everything is just like you. But the bad news is that her eggs are like you too. I was like, Oh, oh. wow. You know, and I was like, I remember just like bawling, like, what do you mean? Like, how mm-hmm. is this even possible? Like this was our this was our Hail Mary, you know? Yeah. And she said, I just I don't know what happened. I don't understand it. I now have to have conversations with her about her own fertility, you know, she was uh-huh. 26, I think at the time. Um she said but she's she had I think four eggs. And you know, if, if it were my my own, I'd be like, yeah, let's do this. Four. Sure, That's great. But when you're paying all of this money and all like there's, you know, you have to think about if she's four eggs, let's say two fertilize and then genetic testing, maybe we get one or two, but we knew we needed more tries than that. Right. Like, yeah. Like to put all that in for one embryo, like that's hard, you know? Right. And so she was like, yeah, four is not enough. And I'm like, great. Okay. And then of course I just felt this overwhelming sadness for this poor girl who, you know, thought she was doing such, such amazing thing. And, and, you know, like now she has to be faced with this. Yes. Um, and so I agree for her too, you know. Were you able to talk to her afterwards or is it like... No, I will. No. Yeah. I sent her I sent her a card, um, yeah. a letter in the mail, but that's never heard sweet. back. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's when I really like went to my dark, dark place. Because like, we thought, okay, we finally got on board with this. And then that didn't work either, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. We start to feel this like, well, am I not meant to be a mother? Is this like... A sign, like, what does this mean? And so mm-hmm. we were like, "All right, we gotta take a break from this." Mm-hmm. And took a, it took a very long, I, like, a year. <laughs> okay. And we just started putting trips on credit cards. Like, we were already maxed out from all this other stuff. But we were like, "Yolo, like, we gotta just yolo." You know, yeah, off. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And so we did all of we. We went to Mexico, Virgin Islands. We went to Thailand. And I had this like really spiritual experience in Thailand and I'm not religious by any means, Um, Uh but we went to this temple and I saw a monk sitting there and you could like sit with the monk and like, he would sort of like bless you. Or I didn't really understand it to be honest. I was just like, that looks cool. Uh huh. (laughs) And it starts pouring raining. And I told my husband, I was like, I got to go sit with that guy. And he's like, Victoria, it's pouring raining. I was like, I know, but like, I feel like this is like something i just got to do he's like okay go over there just do you you know uh-huh so I, I sit with this monk in the pouring rain and he like waves this like thing over my head like um i don't know like a stick uh-huh <laughs> and monks don't talk if you know anything about monks they don't uh-huh. speak uh-huh and he was just sort of grunting and he's like communicating to me through grunts and this like stick over my head in the pouring rain and i'm like i feel like he's telling me something like i just had this inner like feeling that like, I got to, I got to do this one more time. Yeah. And he hands me a bracelet and points to my husband and is grunting like, Oh, uh, you know, like you got to give him this uh-huh. you have to put these bracelets on. And so we did. And I came back to my husband. He's like, we, we got to go one more time, new doctor, new donor. I have all this clarity all of a sudden, like one more time. Wow. Like, sure. And I said, yeah, I said, put the bracelet on, put the bracelet on. And so, and my husband still to this day has the bracelet. He still has the bracelet. Oh my God. What does it look like? It's orange. It's like, uh-huh. a it's like a friendship bracelet. It's okay. like, just like a really skinny, like orange rope. Yeah. That's and so cool. Mine came off like when uh-huh. I was born, I had to cut it off because she shit all over it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. But I was like, this is it. This is full circle right here. Yeah. You, know, you didn't need it like anymore. It. No, but he I still has that. his on and he's very very attached to it. It's yes. Sweet. So yeah, so that's when we came back and and got a new doctor and a new donor. And our new doctor was like, look, you, you can't fall in love with your donor. You don't need to, you just need someone who's fertile and healthy that could be, you know, maybe a second or third cousin sort of, but don't obsess over the the minor details. You know, it's, it's not what this is about. And, you know, you, you just need to find someone who's going to get you pregnant. Right. Right. And I just sort of shifted my, my frame of thought. And the the first donor I was very emotionally connected to, whereas this donor, I was like, you know what? She seems good. She's got two kids. She's had success for, you know, another family or two. You know, she does look like she could be a second cousin. And I was just like, I don't know. I think this is a good one. And it wasn't like, Oh, I'm obsessed with her. I'm in love with her. She's my soul sister. Like it wasn't anything like that it was just you know and she's the one who made me a mother right and i think yeah i wish earlier on because my first doctor was like you need to feel something you need to like it, like on your wedding day like think about how you felt and i'm like what like i'm looking at a computer screen of a donor girl like that i don't know like how yes. is, you know and i got hung up on that you know yeah. and so our first donor had never done it before and you know unproven donors get women pregnant all the time. Um, But it's a risk, right? But I took that risk and I didn't Mm -hmm. ask any questions about, you know, her fertility, Mm -hmm. you know, any of it. I just was so obsessed on her being just like me. And I think looking back to the whole grief thing we talked about earlier, I think Mm -hmm. I was in denial that, you know, I thought I would just be, it was still me, right? Because she was just like me. I was like, well, I'm just going to sort of like trick the system here because she is me. Right. Yeah. Um, whereas with the second donor, um, we do look similar if you put us side by side, but nowhere near the resemblance um, that I had in the first one. Right. So let me ask you this. Did they like
0: vet these donors before they get into the system? Like, did they know, they obviously didn't know that she had fertility issues, right? Do they?
1: Right. So they do the normal testing like you and I did, you uh know, when we were first, like, exploring IVF like, um, right. AMH and FSH and things of that nature. But, you know, it's, I think with this, the first owner, we still don't know why things sure. happen the way they did. And that's just sort of the risk you take, but yeah, they vet them They, they to a certain degree, work, right? To a certain degree. They yeah. do blood work. They do a psychological, um, exam and you know, a lot of, there is a lot of it's self-reported too, like family history. Sure. Um, you know, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. I guess there's only so much they can do, you know, for time and money wise and just resources wise. So that makes total sense.
1: Exactly. Okay. So what happened? So you found this next donor and then what? And then, so we went through the process. She had 31 eggs retrieved. Whoa. Uh, Yeah, I know. I was like, Whoa, this is great. And then 21 fertilized or no. Yeah. 21 fertilized. And then I think was it nine or 13? I forget the number made it through testing, but then we had three normal. Uh-huh. Um, and I was devastated because I thought, what do you mean? Cause you know, you start with 31 and then right. I had three and I'm like, yeah. wait, was this eggs or embryos? Three genetically tested normal embryos. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And so, um, that's three tries, you know, and I'm yeah. like, well, we, we want three kids. <laughs> what, yeah. What if one doesn't work? And so, but I also was like, but if, you know, that's okay. If, if we can just get one baby, like we've got three tries to do that. And, I, and that's, yeah. you know, and so we transferred the first one, the strongest one. Um, and that was Florence, yes. which that was my first transfer I'd ever made it to, you know, after all these years uh-huh. <laughs> at the age of 38, I uh-huh. did a first transfer and it worked and I was, I dropped to my knees when I saw the the two lines because I'd never seen that before in my entire life, and yes, still can't. You know, it was just like very shocking. Um, Oh my god! Yeah.
0: How did you come up with the name Florence? I love it.
1: So my grandmother, who I'm really close to, um, who's 97, um, still living. Her middle name is Florence. Okay. um, And her she that she got that name from her grandmother Florence, and so we wanted to. You know her, her middle Florence's middle name. My daughter Florence is Viola, which is my great aunt who I was also really close to. So, okay. wanted to give her some really strong, you know, female names yes. <laughs> on my side of the family too, to to tie in, you know, my right. side too. So she's two now, and we recently tried again with um, the next strongest embryo uh-huh. in March, and that failed. And Sorry. I actually think that was maybe the hardest thing that I've been through. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to, to compare, but I think I just was, I, because it had worked the first time mm-hmm. I just knew like it would go, it would work like right. All the same things. This embryo was almost as great of quality as Florence's embryo. Um, I just couldn't wrap my head around why would it would not work? Yeah. And I think also too, because I like see the The human that this embryo could become, I just sorry no, I'm sorry, honey. oh it's just it's like a huge loss, you know yeah, Definitely. that was her sibling, and I just I feel like I failed her too, you know oh, you didn't at all, but I know what you mean It's hard because she doesn't, you know, I wanted her to have like a full biological sibling. Right. I want her to have that connection. and Totally. I know it's not important, right? Like I know DNA is not required to have like the most immense amount of love for someone because I I get to live that. Mm -hmm. But I also had it again in my mind that this was going to work and it was just earth shattering. It just felt like. I lost a baby. Yeah. And it wasn't even genetically mine, (laughs) you know? So I always tell people if you're considering this and you're not sure how you're going to love your baby, like let my grief be like proof that you can be so madly in love with something that has zero parts of your DNA.
0: Absolutely.
1: You know, without even have ever met. Right.
0: And I'm sure it was so hard too, because like you said, you've, You've seen Florence. It's not as right, like intangible. I got you know, like you've seen what what the possibilities are. So,
1: I yeah. get it. I wonder if the first one had failed, it, I don't think it would have felt as heavy. Yeah, if it come after her. You know. Yeah. Because you start to visualize. I just you know, because I know what she looks like, and I'm thinking, well, maybe they'll look kind of like her. Maybe it's a boy. Like, right? We had a boy and a girl left, and I couldn't bring it upon myself to ask. Oh, right. Know, okay. Because now we have one left, and I'm yeah. I'm prepping to to transfer the last one.
0: You are okay.
1: Yeah, and we're not going to find out the gender. We didn't with Florence either. Right. So, yeah. So now I'm just like going into this with eyes wide open. I'm doing everything I can physically, you know, possible to sort of get my body ready. I did an ERA, um, and I learned that I needed another full day of progesterone, which is interesting because with Florence, I didn't, but I guess after pregnancy, after giving birth, um, things can change. So, yeah, that's um, interesting. I know. I know.
0: Well, also you're a different person now than you were, you know, right. a couple of years ago too. Like, you know, the yeah. subtle changes in the body, I think can probably have a, an effect on that as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, um, and so now I'm just, I'm, I'm scared, but I'm also like, I was like, there was no question on my mind last time that it was like, like no question. And so wow. it rocked me and it did it. Yes. Oh
0: my God. That must've been you know? so tough when you found that out.
1: Oh yeah. I had a photographer come over like to, to, to take photos of our, um, positive pregnancy tests that I guess you put those on Instagram, right? I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and I told her, you know, cause she was like, Victoria, like, I know it's going to be positive. I know it's going to be positive, but what if it's not like, what do you want me to do? And I was like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, just keep shooting. It's fine, you know? Right. She's like, are you sure? And I said, yeah, but in the, in my mind, I'm like, what, well, it's going to be positive. Right, so, you're like, duh, it's going to be positive. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, and when it wasn't, I was like, what the, hell? you know? And she was yes. shooting and she literally was crying as she's like taking photos. I'm sure. Um, but I'm so happy to have those photos because I feel like we still get to honor that that grief, you know? Absolutely,
0: like, it's a real thing. And, and think about how many people you helped by showing that too. I mean, that was right. such a real and raw moment that right. I hadn't seen before anywhere. So I think that's really important that you did that.
1: Yeah. But now I'm like, gosh, do I, you know, for this time, I'm like, do we just do it more secretly? Do we, you know, like I'm right. just trying to protect my heart. You totally. Know? I know
0: that always like once you're kind of a, public figure on Instagram with all this stuff. I get it. You know, I wasn't on here when I was going through my journey. Like I didn't really find it until afterwards, but I always think like, what would I want to share? And what wouldn't I want to share? And it's tricky because you're right, right. Like you have to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Yes. You know, so
1: 100%. Yeah. It, it's so important. And I, like, and I have like a fertility coach I'm working with right now. Yeah. I have my support group that you know about too. Like I yeah. live women. Definitely. Um, I'm really just trying to make sure my physical state is in good place, but also my mental, you know?
0: Yes. Tell me about the coach. What does the coach do and and how has it helped?
1: So she's been really great. Like I kind of fell upon her by accident and she lives locally here too, which I didn't realize at the time, but she sort of just helps hold you accountable. So she talks about all things, whether it be nutrition, nothing medical. So it's everything, but, but nutrition, sort of mental state, you know, any spirituality, if that's something you want to focus on. Um, and she's just a wealth of knowledge. And she's really helped me just sort of like with the mindfulness of all of this, but also the nutrition side. Cause I've always sucked at that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so she like, is like, you need to eat breakfast, Victoria. You can't do this fasting stuff. You got to like eat, you know, mm-hmm. not have time to eat. She's like, you're going to make a smoothie or something, but you're going to eat. Right. Um, and she's like, it's temporary. Just like we're on a, we're on a race here. We got to like, you know, right. So she checks in with me to make sure I'm eating and, and doing the right things. And, you know, you know, as a mom, sometimes I, I forget I, I always come last, you know, it's like, I got to make sure Florence has what she needs. And then I'm like, right. oh, yeah, it's three o'clock. I've all, all, I've had is an iced coffee. Right. Um, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. And I, and I also know I, I, I owe this to myself, you know, in this process to make sure if i you know, I really do all the things, you know, um, to try to give it my best go. Yeah. So what's the timing on this? You said. So, yeah. So I have been doing Lupron. This is something new and adding, um, okay. Because I've endometri- endometriosis, like I mentioned, so yeah, I've I'm on my second month of Lupron, which is a daily injection into the stomach or thigh. <laughs> Haven't uh-huh. tried thigh yet, but I'm about to move to the thigh because my stomach is so bruised. I need more yeah. <laughs> space. <laughs> um, and so I'm doing this, and then my period comes, and then I start my transfer, which I guess could be Septemberish, maybe. Okay. Okay. But you have to do it like I can't just do two months of LuPron and then let me like oh wait like you have to do it right after right and need the LuPron because otherwise all that hard work would go to waste which totally that's not happening this is right been,
0: yeah. can we talk a little bit about your support group too I know that you've got a lot of super powerful women in these groups that are lifting each other up and helping each other out. how did you decide to start it and and when and what is it how has it helped you
1: too? Yeah, no. Um, it's like one of my most prized possessions. Um, I, when I became a new mom, I was like, holy shit, this is hard. I didn't think it would be this hard. I joined a support group for new moms. um, Mm I'm called the new mom school in Newport beach. And it's, it was sort of a, a framework of like teaching. So every, you know, every every class they call it, but like every week you go in and they'd have a new instructor that would talk about, you know, everything you need to know as a new mom. But what you really got out of it were all these women who were like new moms right along with you. Like our babies were days apart from each other mm-hmm. and we would just cry every week. We'd sit there and cry, you know, our babies mm-hmm. were, crying or were crying and we're crying. And there were just friendships that you made and you people, you could text at three in the morning to say, what the fuck this baby, why do I, you know, why I sleeping? is this happening to you? And they're like, yeah, me too. So I went, I like day two, day three, I forget. I, I met the founder. She was our instructor. And I said, Hey, you know, there really needs to be something like this for women who want to become moms. Like they need this type of support too. Yeah. And she knew a little bit about me and, you know, I'd shared my story with the group and she said, I totally agree. Do you want to run it? And I was like, what? She's like, you want to use my space? Like, I'll help you out. Like, let's, you know, it would be your business, but you could use my space. And I said, I'm going to say yes. I know I have like a newborn baby right now, but I'm going to say yes. I'm going to, I'll I'll get back to you, but let's do this. She's like, okay. So I, in between naps, put together a plan and a curriculum and um, had a friend at the time who used the surrogate sort of helped me launch it. And I just did a test. I was like, hey, let's all get together. You know, I got 13 women to just sort of like trust me with this idea that I had. And within like week two, I was like, oh yeah, this is going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, it was incredible. And I what I didn't expect to your point earlier was like what I was going to get out of it. I just thought this is my gift to give to others. I didn't realize how much a gift it would be to me. And I didn't know that these women would be... The ones that I would lean on to and learn from and um, like when my field transfer happened, they all got together and sent me flowers and, you know, like people that really understood what I was going through.
0: Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Victoria. Definitely make sure to check out her ebook, which again is called Why I'm Glad My Eggs Didn't Work. And the subtitle is A Raw Honest Guide to Motherhood via Donor Eggs. And you guys can follow her at Expecting Anything on Instagram. And I also wanted to tell you guys that we have some big announcements coming up this week about Fertility Rally Live, which is happening in October. So definitely follow Fertility Rally on Instagram, which is at Fertility Rally. You'll get all the updates there. They're also on our website, which is fertilityrally.com. And one more thing, if you have two seconds to go rate and review this podcast, it really helps with the exposure and get noticed. And that way we can help some more people. So thank you so much. I love you all. Talk to you next time. Thanks, Victoria.